0: His Ford F-350 pickup had 100,000 miles on it, and he figured it had another 100,000 left before it was through. He drove west, through the flatlands until the skies darkened. Their cinnamon-colored Chow Shepherd mix, named Hudson, after Argento's favorite character in Aliens, occupied the back seat. Argento reached back and scratched his head occasionally as they drove. He stopped at a rundown place with a sign that read, Gas and Food. He liked that, anonymous, just like him. He ordered coffee and two burgers, fed Hudson from a bag of gourmet dog food, and looked at a discarded newspaper as he ate. The Detroit Tigers were languishing in last place. They couldn't get any runs. All slumber, no lumber, the columnist wrote. The front page had an article on a cyberterrorism group that had hacked into state government mainframes nationwide and stolen social security numbers and building blueprints. Argento didn't know anything about cybercrime and didn't care to. He'd take a meat and potatoes violent felony any day. The paper's entertainment section ran a picture of a famous model who was celebrating her nine-month anniversary with her boyfriend. Turning heads in thigh-high boots, the headline said. In the photo... The boyfriend had complicated hair and wore a smirk on his face like he'd won something. Argento tilted his coffee cup toward the picture and let the drops spatter the newsprint until the couple's faces disappeared in a wet blur. After dinner, he drove a few more hours in darkness until he crossed the Missouri state line, finding a roadside motel that looked in his price range. Emily was far from a debutante, but she preferred to stay in places that were three stars and up. This place looked like a solid one-star. The lobby carpet was patchy and stained, and Argento could smell the booze on the night clerk's breath. What's the name of this town? Argento asked. Rocker. How is it here? It sucks, dude, the clerk said. He had shoulder-length hair and a pierced nose, which made Argento resent him for no particularly good reason. The clerk handed him his room key. Argento didn't ask about the pet policy. Hudson was a welcome addition to any motel, no matter what the rules said. He walked to his truck, liberated Hudson from the back seat, and the two of them went to the room, which smelled like cigarettes and feet. He sat on the edge of the bed and rubbed his unshaven jaw. He didn't have to follow department grooming protocol anymore and could grow a beard down to the floor now if he wanted. He had noticed a liquor store a block down the street, but he wasn't going to drink. Not tonight. He had cut down markedly on the booze after he married Emily, and he hadn't been drunk in years. And he knew if he started now, he'd never stop. He'd be well on his way to becoming one of the alley rummies from his old patrol sector, the ones with grimy faces and plastic cups they rattled in the hope that you'd put coins in them. The bottle killed more cops than bullets ever would. Just the two of us now, Hud, he said. Hudson padded over and lay down next to him, making a sound that almost seemed like a sigh. Hudson keyed into emotions as much as any human, and he knew Emily was gone. It made him sad, and it made him sad that Argento was sad. Argento once had a court case where an 11-year-old girl named Isabella had been severely beaten by her father and was terrified to testify against him. Argento formed a bond with the girl and had subsequently gotten the judge's approval to bring Hudson to the stand with her. She testified, with a low voice that picked up strength as she went, looking directly at her father, one hand rubbing Hudson's thick cinnamon coat. When it was over, Isabella gave Hudson a kiss and held him tight. I'm sorry, Argento said. I miss her too. He rubbed Hudson's head, then closed his eyes and thought back to how it had all ended a week before. He'd disobeyed a direct order from his sergeant, and it had led to four broken bones and three concussions. None of the injuries were his, but one of the concussions was Pendleton's, who had reluctantly followed Argento out of the car and promptly taken a glass bottle to the dome. It had also resulted in multiple felony arrests, including the man that assaulted Pendleton. The motorist with the toupee had survived. But the police commission hadn't cared about any of that. They cared about Argento's insubordination They cared about his recent history of unlawful force complaints, which meant he was on a short leash. They cared about what it looked like to the public to have a white cop free-swinging a baton at multiple young males of color in a department with a long history of racism that was under federal consent decree and supposedly focusing on de-escalation. They thought he should have stayed in the car too.